Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. So good to have you here for episode 90 of Dope Nostalgia. I'm your host, Naomi. I have a very exciting guest today, one of the biggest dance music acts of the 90s and are still huge to this day. Ray from Two Unlimited is my guest on the show, and I can't wait to share that interview with you. It's coming up soon, but before we do that, let's get into some Dope Nostalgia news. Hot off the presses gotta adjust those rabbit ears. You got that antenna pulled up? It's time for some dope nostalgia news. We're going to start the news today talking about our previous guest, Martin Page. He has a brand new art book that accompanies his latest album called Fugitive Pieces. And the art book is also called Fugitive Pieces, The Songs Art Book. It's an ebook and visual accompaniment to that album. So it's something you can invest in, um, listen to, and really embrace yourself in the experience with the music and the visuals. And it's available on all major online platforms, such as Amazon. Get your copy today. Oh, yeah. One of my very favorite guests that we've had on the show, Rosala. She's visited us twice, and we always have such a fun time talking to each other. It's so cool that she has a brand new single out. It's called I Want You Back. You can find it on all digital outlets. Just search for Rosala, R-O-Z-A-L-L-A. Our special guest from two episodes ago, Lee Aaron, is doing some live shows right here in Western Canada. October 29th, she is playing right here in Edmonton at the Century Casino. October 30th at the Deerfoot Inn Casino in Calgary. And November 19th at the Regent Casino in Winnipeg. Make sure you go and check out her live show. Wikipedia Moments. This is Two Unlimited, with 22 million sales worldwide and golden platinum awards in every country around the globe. Two Unlimited is the most successful export product of the 90s. They also received three World Music Awards as Best Selling Artist of the Year. Two Unlimited conquered the world in the 90s and scored a string of 16 hits in a row, including No Limit, Twilight Zone, Jump for Joy, Maximum Overdrive, and Get Ready for This. Many of these hits revived in films and TV series like Any Given Sunday, Final Destination, Space Jam, and they're still our number one massive NBA and NFL sports anthems. Recently also used in mega games Just Dance 3 and 4, SingStar, and commercials for McDonald's, Toys R Us, Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Toyota, Hyundai, and Airwaves Chewing Gum. They are on a massive tour right now. They've been playing across this country. It is my pleasure to welcome Ray Slanghard to the show. All right. Well, welcome to the show. This is called Dope Nostalgia. We are based out of Canada, where I'm really excited because you're going to be touring all across Canada this summer. Yeah, it's, it's been, uh, I think the last time we were in Canada was, I think it was 1994. Oh my so, goodness! Wow. Yes, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one because, uh, yeah, Canada was always uh, good for us. Uh, of course, we had a lot of uh, gold records there, and mm. uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to to meet the fans again. Oh, and you also, had a ma- you had a massive amount of hits in Canada, and you were yeah. always featured on some of those uh, compilation albums as well that were yeah, out. Yeah, the, the much music and all that <laughs> stuff. So yeah, yeah. Did you? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I was wondering the the guy who was the presenter from uh, was his black guy. Is he still uh, there or Master T? Yeah, Master T. <laughs> you, Master T is still doing his thing. He does. Um, uh, I think he has his own kind of uh, social media type show now because much music doesn't really play music anymore. No, no, like oh yeah, it's more yeah, like okay. MTV now. Okay, was always great with this guy. Very uh, nice guy. So uh, he was <laughs> amazing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but he's definitely still doing the thing. Um, but yeah, it's called the Electric Circus Tour. So it is a throwback to those much music days. This tour across yeah. Canada, and for you're sure. going to be hitting up some big cities. 
with the same crew that you've been touring with for a while? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, with Hathaway, we were this weekend always. And uh, with Bangor Boys, we had the same booking agency, sort of very good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aqua is also a good friend of mine. Uh, he's in Denmark. So, uh, yeah, yeah actually, actually, everybody, you know, we, we know everybody. Uh, Eiffel 65, we're touring with them in Australia. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's just like, you know, going on the road with, with our friends and just uh, enjoying ourselves, you know, and for sure give us giving us our best to the to the audience and uh, make sure they're gonna have a good time so sweet yeah i'm excited for it and once those big ha- hits happen for you canada worldwide what opportunities did that provide you internationally well a lot of opportunity because you know when we uh, started with get ready for this in 1991 which is like uh, next month already 30 years ago uh makes me feel old but, uh, you know, so in the beginning, I was a cook. I was at the airport cooking. And, you know, it was just, like, fun. You know, I wrote the song, Get Ready for This. And I thought, like, you know, I'm going to do this, do a couple of shows and go back to the kitchen. But then it just blew up. You know, it, the Get Ready for This came in the UK charts straight into number two. And then still, you know, the first album was still, like, I was still pinching myself, like, you know, I'm, I might be, we have to go back to the kitchen. But as soon as No Limit hits, oh. which was, like, number one at the same time in, like, 34 countries, then I really thought like, yeah, this, this, this can be something, this could be a career, you know? And uh, yeah, so after, I don't know, 25 million records sold, it just, you know, it just went up and uh, yeah. So touring in Canada, Japan, Australia, yeah. Places where, yeah, you never been before, of course, but uh, yeah. yeah. So that's really a blessing, you know, to, to go all around the world and still that I play our music last week, I went with my son to space jam and again, get ready for this was in it. So like the first one, so, you know, it's just a blessing that after 30 years, I still play. We got so many commercials also in Canada. I saw a lot of uh, commercials using Get Ready for This. So yeah, that's just, yeah, it's a blessing. So, you know. <laughs> you you wrote a huge hit and I mean, yeah, 25 yeah. million albums. That yeah, is something to be proud of. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> now we know about all the hits. Can you tell me what maybe an album track you had, maybe a deep cut that you wish would have been a single? Yeah, for sure. Um, um, it's it's called uh, Mysterious, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite uh, album tracks. And uh, you know, si- since we're doing it in, in Canada, we only do a half an hour show, so we don't we have we, you know we have a luxury problem. Like there's a lot of artists that got one two hits, so they're gonna do the remix. And but yeah. we you know we had 14 uh, singles released top 10, so we always have to choose like what we're gonna play. So for sure, for Canada, we got a half an hour, so I'll make sure we're gonna put out the biggest hits in there. But later on, when we're going to tour, you know, we're working on a 30-year anniversary tour, which is probably going to be an hour, 90 minutes. And then for sure, I'm going to play Mysterious because I already made a show tape for this. So it's already on the site. But Mysterious is just like uh, one of the tracks that I, I'm talking with my producer just to release it again, you know, because mm-hmm. there's so many tracks on the album, Burning Like Fire, like Technology, uh, Super Highway. So, yeah, there's definitely another five tracks that could be a hit. So, you know. <laughs> the way you're controlling my body, mysterious. You touch me that way, my soul's up above. When we say goodbye, there's no turning back for Fingers down to make the floor burn.
Now, who were your musical heroes growing up? Yeah, it's kind of cliche, but I must say it was Michael Jackson because, you know, uh, back in the days, uh, I used to go with my mom to the concert. I met him in uh, uh, the World Music Awards in Monte Carlo. I used to live there too. And yeah, so uh, you got a clip on YouTube where we're doing No Limit and he's next to Prince Albert and he's just like, no, no, he's just like, and you know, it's the first time ever when I was nervous because I met everybody around the world, the biggest stars. And it was like, you know, kind of normal. It was like, you know, but when I saw, when I knew that Michael Jackson would be there, yeah, that was, I was very nervous. And then after the show, I met him backstage and he came to me and he said, like, I really like your song. And he, just, he shook my hand. And at that moment, it was like I was holding his hand for like 10 minutes. And I was just like, yeah, this moment was, was the big. And, you know, there was an inspiration, uh, especially uh, when you're going to see us on stage. Uh, you know, I never go on the stage with a jeans or just a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. It's got to be leather. It's got to be bling, bling. So and that's what I learned from Michael Jackson. You know, when we do a show, I really want to give a show and, you know, and, and bring all the bling, bling, the glitters. And like Michael Jackson did it back in the days. And what I see, the Usher is also uh, one of my, uh, you know, artists that's, that's coming close to, to Michael Jackson and Chris Brown. You know, mm-hmm. he's in Vegas now, Usher. And I see the outfit. So I got some inspiration for that. So I'm working on the next outfits already, you know, so. Oh, it's so exciting to do the fashion, isn't it? Like, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How much control did you have over the music you were releasing? Or, or was it like the record label heavily involved? No, well, actually it was the producers, uh, uh, Phil, Phil Wilde and Jean-Paul de Coster. They always came with the demos. Mm-hmm. And I got the inspiration from the, you know, when they, for example, they sent me some track with, with African drums. And the first thing that came out was tribal, African, you know, so I was sitting with an American guy, actually, Chafe Clayton. And, you know, th- when I hear the music, I just get an inspiration. And with No Limit actually was, uh, was one of the songs that was not supposed to be released. Mm-hmm. And we were flying from Australia to, to Japan. And I had, the, you know, I had an idea from the song from Crystal Waters. A gypsy, you know, yeah. like la da di. So I was thinking it's got to be something like this. But actually, the song, the demo of No Limits, actually, the, the album was already wrapped up, but we still had this demo. And I was talking with Anita. I was like, we got to do something with this song. And yeah, we wrote this song in an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just came up with the no, no, and and she finished it off. And it was just like, yeah. And you know, it always works like that. Sometimes you got some tracks you're working like for months on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of hard. You don't get no inspiration. And with No Limit, it just came. And then, yeah, that's our biggest hit. So it's it's, it's very funny how the thing goes, you know. it's uh, yeah. yeah, so but it was always the inspiration of the demos, what I got from the producers. And I just got a feeling with it, you know. And, yeah, so. A lot of people say that the best songs they've ever written, they wrote in, like, half an hour. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. difference for you between playing a festival in Europe as opposed to North America? What, what are the, what are the difference in like the crowds, the energy? Well, you know, back in the day, of course, Canada, we were uh, quite popular. I think, yeah, we were more popular than the States, you know, mm-hmm. so there we had the European 
feel. You know, we came there, the, the fans rushed us and everything. In America, they, they didn't really know us. Then, I mean, get ready for this. They know it's from the, the hoods till Beverly Hills. I mean, everybody knows the song, but mm. they didn't really know who we were. Because back in the days, you know, empty feet were playing like all rock or hip hop, like Run DMC or stuff like Aerosmith. And uh, so, you know, visual, it was sometimes it was very nice because in Europe, you know, I couldn't go a day without making pictures, <laughs> signing autographs. So in the States, it was just just like one of a, one of the guys, you know, so yeah. sometimes it was nice. So, you know, so they didn't recognize me. And uh, but, you know, it's still a dream for me to really hit it big in, in the States, because I know mm-hmm. that we, we have potential there to, to do it. And I see, you know, my friends from CNC Music Factory Freedom. Uh, he's doing now in the 90s, you know, he's touring with All For One with Vanilla Ice. So mm-hmm. that's the 90s kind of R&B rap. But I think that the stage is also ready for the Euro dance. So it's not going to take so long. In a couple of years, I'm, I'm sure we're going to do some big tours there. I hope so. I mean, the Euro dance needs to come back in a big way here, too. I'm, yeah, for sure. I'm excited for, sure. for it. Yeah. And um, do you feel like there's a different sense of achievement when you hit it in America as opposed to anywhere else in the world? Um, yeah, for myself personally, I think because, you know, I, I was always listening to uh, to American music. Where I was listening to a lot of rap music, you know, and uh, so for me, it was all I mean, in the first place, if you hit it in the UK, it's very hard to, to get a hit in the UK. So once you hit it in the UK, that opened the doors for us all around, even in Japan, because, they, you know, they're listening to, and even you guys, you know, I think you're inspired also by uh, the music that's coming out of uh, the UK, Oasis and all that stuff like this. Very much, yeah. So, so for me so for me personally, uh, you know, I, I've been to, uh, I love LA, you know, I've been recording there because I also got my own production company. I'm producing my son right now. So I was always yeah. in the studios where Tupac was and next door was Snoop Dogg recording and, you know, smoking with the guys. It was just like fun. <laughs> so, you know, so, so, yeah, so that, that, that's still on my list. But, you know, we, we performed already in the Met Stadium in halftime. We get ready for this uh, mm-hmm. we in the San Antonio Spurs Stadium. So I got that feeling of it. So uh, but, you know, we're talking now with some uh, big producers from the States. So, you know, I'm, that's something still that, you know, I really want to get there to get the recognition. And, you know, because they know the music, but they just don't know this funny guy with the strange hair. So, you know, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> We're, whatever whatever you guys come up with and release, we'll make sure we promote it on the show for you because it's oh, really sure. exciting. Yeah, and like you were mentioned, you're working with your son now. Tell me about yeah. his project. Well, he, he's more into the the rap uh, music, so he's uh, really inspired by you know the rap from from uh, the states, like Two Chains and yeah. Soul Boy Slam and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we're working on his album. He released already some stuff on uh, Spotify and. Um, yeah, just just help him, just guide him, you know, because personally, you know, I sound kind of old, but there's so much crap music out there, you know, and just like, you know, you guys are coming to places, especially you coming from Holland. So, you know, I see a good friend of mine there that used to go to his house. He mm-hmm. used to say to me, you know, Ray, because I was recording a rap album back in the day, he said, Ray, keep that, keep the rap music in your in your car and just do what you do, because that's that's unique. And, you know, that's something that the people in the States, you know, you're, you're further with that than the people in the States. So, you know, don't try to sell the sand to the to the Arabians because they got too much sand. So, you know, keep with your own thing and focus on your own thing, what you're doing. So, yeah. Wow. Grateful for uh, whatever advice you can get from like the people around you who, you know, it's wonderful. Yeah, and for sure. Now. You left in 1996 for a while. Was that when you were doing the different styles of music or what were you doing yeah, during yeah. that time? Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I'm a record label that back then and I released some records. There was some hits in between. It was like dance music, a TOF, Funk It Up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then I was just working with, with different artists. But I was really, because I always was inspired. You know, I used to be a break dancer. So I was really into hip hop. And, you know, so I never imagined that I would go into the dance music. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I hit a demo for Get Ready for This, it just, it was something that I never heard before in my life, you know, it straight away catches me. And I said to the producer, you know, if you ever need a rap for it, just let me know. I never wrote any song. So mm-hmm. I wrote a rap. And while I was writing the rap, I heard a chorus, you know, so I wrote a chorus. I said, yeah, I think a female should sing it, you know. So, oh, do you know any singers? And I knew Anita from back in the days so in the club scene, and I know she was singing. I was kind of in love with her. So I saw her and I said, hey, you know, I got this demo and uh, I wrote a chorus. Would you like to sing it? Yeah, yeah, that's dope. Let's do it. And yeah, she recorded it. And uh, that time already, Get Ready For This was released instrumental in, in the UK. 
So it just, yeah. And so it, it had to be like this because, you know, I always say like, it was like God was holding my, my, my pen to write it yeah. because, you know, he never asked for, for a female singer. And I think that if I never would write this female chorus that, yeah, maybe get ready for this was a nice hit, but you know, we, the combination of Anita and myself and the, the, the looks like both half black, half white, and there's a combination of, of everything mm-hmm. that made it the hit, you know? So I will never say like, yeah, because of me, no, it was a combination of our producers, Anita, myself, that made it to this, you know, it was magic. So we created yeah. magic with this, you know? Just the right, the right mix of people at the right time creating oh, together. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Are, are you, are you still in touch with Anita? Uh, no, not so much. Uh, mm-hmm. Anita, she left the band in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she, she has two kids and, you know, I'm, I'm always like, you know, for me, like last Saturday, three shows that that's for me is normal. You know, I got so much energy. Yeah. Uh, I turned 50 last month, but I feel like I still feel like 30. So it's a milestone. Uh, happy belated. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, yeah, she just decided to, to take it more slow. You know, she only wanted to do 40 shows. I want to do 200 shows a year. Mm. So, you know, I, I got a great singer now. And uh, of course, in the beginning, it was strange because especially the real fans, of course, they're fans for Manita and for me. So, you know, but uh, I got such a great singer that, uh, yeah, that as soon as the people saw her and uh, see her perform, it was just like, you know, they were like, okay, it's not Anita, but, you know, they still got it. So, you know, <laughs> we <Kim>. take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she's a great singer. So she brought a new energy to the group too, like... Yeah, yeah, I think I think vocally she, you know, she's more like an R and B singer uh, normally, but uh, I mean, she is really, you know, I, I you know, I don't want to brag and boast about myself, but uh, she's the best singer around in the nineties now, you know, because uh, vocally mm. she's very good. We do everything live, and uh, yeah, so the, the, that's that's really a blessing to have. Uh, yeah, she looks good. She's also half black, half white, so it's just you know mm-hmm. a, a whole new thing. And she's a little bit younger; she's like thirty seven, but. Uh, yeah, she got the moves. We got great dancers. So, you know, the show is just, uh, yeah. Yeah. How many people are in the stage show? Uh, well, we got two dancers and uh, then uh, Kim and myself. So, uh, nice. yeah. Good. I look forward to seeing her. I definitely want to come down to Calgary for your show. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. 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 Um, now, what country do you now spend most of your time in? Well, actually, I'm, I live in Germany right now in mm-hmm. Dusseldorf which is like, you know, with the cars, like two hours to, uh, to Amsterdam. Yeah. And I live uh, partly in Spain. So, you know, I'm a, I just like, I was a month on vacation in, in Spain, celebrating my, my 50th birthday with my, with my uh, fiance and my kids. I got three kids. Nice. So, you know, I'm always in between there and, you know, always uh, busy. Now I'm actually now I'm in Poland because yeah. my girlfriend, my, my fiance, she's from Poland. So I'm here with the family. So I did the show in Denmark. Came back yesterday, staying the whole week on the beach. It's like a very nice place up here. Yeah. And uh, and then Friday, go back to uh, to Denmark to do two more shows. And then uh, go back to Dusseldorf. And the week after, we got two more shows in Denmark. Um, shame is that uh, we had so many shows in Holland, but they all canceled because oh. the government only uh, allows us to have 750 people. So, yeah, it's not worth it because all the shows we're playing like 10,000, 15,000 people. So for the, yeah, so those shows are all canceled. So, oh. uh, yeah, so the, the next ba- big thing uh, will come to you guys. Yeah. Which I've been, I mean, I've been, I've been praying for this to come back to Canada because I, I had such a good vibe there and the people are so nice. And for me, it's yeah. always the, the, the better Americans, <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> and we're very polite too. So, oh, I mean, I understand you can't do a show that's a huge <laughs> festival for 750 people. It's just no, not worth no, it. It's not worth it. No. No. But this, I mean, these are the changes that I know that are being made every day and it makes uh, music difficult. What did you do during that last year um, creatively? Well, was, uh, yeah, no, I, I was, uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm working on a couple of things uh, music wise too. And, uh, some projects and yeah, for the rest, I was just uh, chilling with the kids. My, my younger son is eight, my daughter, she's 16. So, you know, uh, they were happy because, you know, normally uh, I'm always away for the weekend because normally really every weekend we got shows. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, just time, time for other things in life. But, you know, the last couple of months, it was just like, oh, I need to get back on stage, you know? So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I live for. That's, that's really my passion, you know, after 30 years and, Yes, I still love it. So, you know, we're definitely going to continue for a couple of years. 
And then all the ends I will open my beach club in Spain because actually I'm a cook. So, you know, I've got many inspiration, creative things in my head. So I really want to have a nice beach club, put some Ah. nice DJs and, you know, and invite uh, invite artists to perform there. So, yeah, that will be the the end goal. (laughs) I mean, with you having kids of your own, what do you feel the youth of today can learn from the music of the 90s, the Eurodance Um the electronic music of that time, which seems quite different from today's electronic music. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, I think that the music uh, back in the days, you know, it's just, now, of course, you, you got many DJs like, uh, you know, from Holland, also Chester, Martin Garrix, you know, they, they got big hits, but I don't think that in 25 years, they would remember any of them songs with all respect to them because they're all friends of mine. And, you know, they even say it too because Armin from Buda, he said, Ray, if it wasn't for you, I mean, I never started the dance music. I hear it every every day. I hear it from those kind of guys. Wow. Uh, the music, you know, it was, and the motivation that we had was just like, you know, I was not never in it for the money. I never wanted to have, you know, buy a Rolex or a big Mercedes. I got all that shit now, but, you know, it's <laughs> not like, <laughs> it's not like there was, there was not the motivation. And, you know, and I think that that's why, like, Hathaway, what is love is evergreen. You know, we went in the studio and we just did what we felt. And that's what I see for my son. You know, he, he already in his mind is living in L.A. with a Bentley and, you know, the bling bling on. But I said, that's, that cannot be the motivation. You've got to come from the heart. Like the people from Motown back in the days, mm-hmm. most of them, they, you know, they, they end up with no money or anything. But at least they were doing it from the heart. And I think that that should be the motivation for the for the youth now. Just do what your heart gives you. And don't try to, I have to make a hit. I need to be famous. Because I never wanted to be famous. I never wanted to be, of course, you want to do well, you know. Mm. Uh, but I always wanted to have my own restaurant. So you need money for this. But it was not like materialistic things. So, you know, just stay close to yourself and, you know, just do what you feel. Like No Limit was just like, we. it was not even planned. And then it just came to us. And yeah, the biggest hit ever. So I think you need to step, stay close to yourself and, you know, do what you feel and don't try to, yeah, don't try to be a star because, you know, stars are born, but, you know, you cannot, if it's there, it's there and it's given to you and you must take it and just, you know, run with it. Amen. I agree. Amen. <laughs> concert that you went to in your life that influenced you changed your life you'll never forget that day um well of course michael jackson already talked about um but in 87 um there was a big tour from def jam it was a public enemy it was eric b and rakim l cool j and that really you know 87 i was like uh, 16 years old and uh, I went to that concert and then I really got into this kind of music, you know, hip hop and yeah, dancing on the street with a white gloves with a ghetto blaster. And, nice. you know, <laughs> so, yeah, that was really uh, inspiration. And even afterwards, <laughs> uh, I brought some artists to, uh, to Holland, Main Source, 
Uh, I brought them to Holland. I promoted Eric B and Rakim mm. and a couple of other hip hop cats. And uh, yeah, so it was just funny, you know. Then I was a promoter and I was really young. I was just, that was even before Two Unlimited. And, you know, then I was sitting there with Eric B and Rakim, like, you know, and he said, yeah, I want the yellow towels. And, and the other side, yeah, I want green towels. And I was <laughs> a kid. I was like, my man, don't make it too difficult for me. You know, I got some weed for you. I got the weed for you. I got the whatever you want. You got the hand to see whatever you want. <laughs> but, you know, and they were looking at me like, this guy is, he is rude. I said, yeah, my man, there's white towels. I don't have green. You want red? Come on, man. Don't, don't make it too don't difficult. Don't put up with that <laughs> shit. <laughs> And after that, it was so sweet. You know, I, I promoted Loonies. I got five on it. I brought them to. I had Dasa uh, Vex in my studio. So, you know, yeah. yeah so, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's what's the most scandalous story you can tell from back in the day? Back in the day. Oh. <laughs> were you good? Were you good? Or were, did you get into trouble? No, no. Yeah, of course, I got in trouble, too, because, you know, I was really... Uh, I was really, you know, I, I really knew what I wanted. You know, mm-hmm. I really grew up in, in this thing that it was, you know, I knew exactly what I wanted. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not really into to fights or something. I remember yeah. we had a show, I uh, had some some group and we had a show in uh, in Holland, in Amsterdam. And uh, Keith Sweat was there. And he, um, <laughs> so what he did, he I had some group that were the support act and Keith Sweat, his, his sounding, you know, he, he took the plug out. Because he thought that, you know, the support act, you know, I'm tired of them. They need to get off stage. Oh, so, no. you know, so he, he pulled the plug and I really went to the dressing room and said, well, man, you know, we're in Amsterdam now. You know, don't make trouble with me. You know, I call somebody, you fuck. <laughs> no. but, <laughs> <laughs> you say, yeah, yeah, but they're, they're playing too long. And say, yeah, but respect, man, they're from Amsterdam. It's my group, you know, just wait, man. You're the, you're the big star. Don't worry, you're going to get your time. So, uh, no, but for the rest, uh, always had to... Uh, Good times. I mean, I remember we were in Monaco because I used to live there like 11 years mm-hmm. and uh, Prince was there. So the security, I was sitting with Anita and with Prince, Prince Albert mm-hmm. and the security from Prince came and he said, hey, uh, you know, come sit on the table from Prince. And I was like, hey, cool, man. So I walked up there and then he said, no, 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 only the girl. I was pissed off. Oh. So, man, come on, man. <laughs> that time I was dating Anita too. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit awkward. So I said, my oh, man, so I need to say, can I go? Yes, I go. But you know, I was looking at him like, who, who you think you are, man? Come on. <laughs> it's not only the girl. So I was no. okay. Cool. <laughs> Just because your prince doesn't give you the right to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 for sure not. <laughs> clothing item, toy, um, one of those things. What makes you nostalgic for the 90s when you think about them? Um, Especially fashion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see that the fashion is coming back too. You know, you mm-hmm. see the fila is coming back. Uh, yeah. I, was always, I was always wearing those, you saw it in the video, Raiders, LA, you know, LA Lakers and that kind of stuff. So that's coming, up, coming uh, back again, Yeah. you know, and... Uh, yeah, it's funny because back in the days, when we used to go to Japan, I was so, uh, I didn't dislike this food, you know, like sushi and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I, I got to eat it like twice a week. You know, I'm, my specialty to cook is really Asian food. You know, I make Thai mm-hmm. food. I mean, and that's what I really love. So I really like uh, Asian kitchen. And, uh, but, you know, now, yeah, also, I know in Amsterdam, uh, these phones that we had, you know, the big phones. Uh, like yeah, the, like, the rotary dial? Like, yeah, now you got like, uh, you know, the, the iPhone <laughs> or something. So, but back in the day, it was like this. So it was in Amsterdam. It was me having the phone and all the criminals had these phones. <laughs> so, 
So those were the two. I was in, oh, the brick of, phone. Yeah, yeah, the brick phones, and you know, and even the the big one that you had to carry. You know, now you got it <laughs> on, the, on the Bluetooth in your car, but then you really had like a thing, and you was walking around with it like this. So yeah. it's funny how yeah how, how things change, right? With like technology and all that. So and, you know, back in the days, of course. You know, we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Facebook. You know, now I'm on Instagram. I, it's nice. I enjoy it also to to share some things. But you know, I don't also don't have so much followers. But I think back in the days we should we would have had like millions of followers. But uh, yeah, so, so it's just nice to you know to keep the people updated what I'm doing, and you know, it's just fun. So yeah, yeah, we gotta get you some more followers. Once uh, yeah, yeah. we're gonna share all your social media links <laughs> okay. and. Uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for the time you spent with me today telling me about the sure. tour. So we're going to make sure, you know what, if you're in Canada this summer, this September, you guys are coming to a city near you. There you go. Sure. I can't <laughs> wait. So I'll see you in Calgary, Naomi. Sounds good. So you can All have right. a bit together. <laughs> have a wonderful rest of your day. And thanks again for your time. Thanks a lot. You take right. care. Bye. Ciao. Thank you so much, Ray, for spending time with us here at Dope Nostalgia. You can check out what 2Unlimited is up to by visiting their webpage, 2UnlimitedLive.com. All the links to their Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, even their YouTube, are on the website. I want to mention that on our very special YouTube channel for Dope Nostalgia, that's YouTube.com forward slash Dope Nostalgia Podcast, you can find our special playlist with all of the featured artists that we've had on the show, some of their biggest hits and things that we've talked about here on the podcast. Once again, that's youtube.com forward slash dope nostalgia podcast. After these messages, we'll be right back. Love music? Who Who doesn't? doesn't? Who and what were the albums and artists that really turned you onto music? The ones that made you really stop and listen. The ones that shaped your tastes and opened your horizons. That's what we want to talk about. Dig deep into your vinyl, CDs, or even stream away. Let's listen and learn all about what made you fall in love with music in the first place. This is Learning to Listen. So good. Okay, interesting take. Uh, could you read it like a human being? Or, uh... That's exactly the way a human would read that. Take two. The ones that, uh, I don't know, shaped your tastes and opened your horizons, you know? That's, that's, that's what we want to talk about, you know? You know? Dig, dig deep into your vinyl, CDs, or even stream away. Join Quinn, Charlie, and myself, Naomi, for a brand new album every single week. On L2L, learning to listen. Found everywhere great podcasts are served. Introducing the next generation from Nintendo, New Super Mario World, created especially for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It's a bit more exciting, a bit more challenging, a bit more graphic, a bit more colorful, a bit more realistic, a bit more levels, a bit more secret, a bit more enemies, a bit more friends, a bit more sound, a bit hotter, a bit cooler, a bit weird, a bit more revolutionary, a bit more Mario, a bit more of what you want. It's 16-bit, and it's yours only if you get new Super Nintendo. Now you're playing with power, superpower. All right. Welcome back, James, for uh, the next year Billboard Top Hits 1991. We're going to go through that sweet, sweet top 10 list. 1991 was one of my favorite years, man. Got some good stuff here. Starting with our number 10 song that was on the Billboard chart, Amy Grant, Baby Baby. That was a big deal when she became a secular artist and she put out a non-Christian album. 
can't say non-christian but it was it was it was mainstream but, but it but the thing is though like with that song is it was very it it hit both markets like even for the like i i listened to a little bit more christian music back then mm-hmm. and that really resonated with the christian artists like they like the the fans mm-hmm. is is because of who who she was and if you listen to some of the lyrics of that song it still hits home that's the thing a lot is of people. she decided to still like do her first album about romantic love i but i believe that there was still like at least one song that could have been considered christian on the album but but it was it was still like positive messages there was nothing like that would be offensive to the Christian community on that album, as far as I was concerned. No. Like, I have a lot of her CDs mm-hmm. from the 90s. Ooh, my favorite. Like, I loved Lead Me On. Do you have that one? Yes. That's a good album. I'm a fan. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I don't know if you'll know this one. Um, maybe I can play a clip of it for you. Um, it's by number nine. It's by the group called Surface, and the song is called "The First Time." Does that ring a bell at all? No. Do you want to hear a clip? Sure. First time I looked into your eyes, I cried. Do you remember the first time we fell? Chorus is almost over. <laughs> so, do you recall that song? A little bit. It's something you've heard before, but I've heard it, but it's—I wouldn't call it my jam. No. Um, I remember hearing it too, but I never thought it would be as big as it was to be in the top ten of that year. You know what I'm saying? I thought yeah. I thought it was decently big, but uh, hmm. Same. So so since we don't know that one, well, we're gonna move on to. Uh, there used to, well, first of all, there used to be a show on called Open House Party, and I believe it still exists to this day in the U.S. on syndication on radio. Open House Party was a big big show, and I think that's where I had heard that song, and probably the next one here by a group called High Five. Another R&B group uh, that's, uh, it was called I Like The Way, in brackets, The Kissing Game. So, let's get to that chorus. Okay, I recognize this song. Mm-hmm. I don't see the thing is though is is you need is you need a song that hits you but it it seems too much Jackson 5 to me well it's probably just maybe not a genre that you were into at the time no but it, but it's but it's the same kind of like it's it's not unique. It's not like if if you're gonna be in my top five, you have to stand out. Okay. I don't know if like that one really doesn't stand out to me. I love your Simon Cowell approach. <laughs> oh, burn! Oh, we both love this one. Number seven, extreme more than words. You don't even, hey, uh, no, it's, in, <laughs> it's up there. Well, Extreme is one of our favorite bands. No, but, but that's, but of, of that band though, that was the biggest, one of their biggest songs. Oh, as well, as, 
as well as one that stands out that if if for example if i did that karaoke people would be singing along to it yeah it's one of those songs that people kind of, remember it, it's one that like even young people know the words that's kind of if you're going to look at a top five of of any of any decade it's one that even now mm-hmm. people recognize it the song was brought back in the musical soundtrack two of um, rock of ages it was brought back as a like um what's that called again medley yeah with um oh, it was it mashed was. up it was mashed up with heaven by warrant yes that's a great movie by the way i'd actually quite enjoy that but it's just but it wasn't but it wasn't the extremes version of it it was it was kind of it was a musical version where they had the actual actors singing the song yep like tom cruise had a huge part in that movie and he did a lot of um more than words is a song that was a huge deal but also i think that um extreme have way better songs than that way better oh they do but and and that song is really like nothing else they've done but it but it's but it's one that got people's attention Mm-hmm. And it was also covered. It was covered by an artist called Frankie J in the 2000s sometime. Um, so, you know, that song had a big impact on people. The next one on our chart of 1991, at number six, the very first podcast episode of this Dope Nostalgia show was this band, EMF, Unbelievable. Do you remember that song? Yes. It's been in a lot of commercials too, hey? Yeah, it has. Uh, it's kind not of. Up it's not up there for me. It's not either, but I can see why it's memorable. Um, for the band themselves, I think they had way, way more going on in Europe and the UK for like their other songs. But that song's pretty much the only one that really made it here in North America. Probably, yeah. Hmm. Number five. I would be surprised. This is this guy was a one-hit wonder. His name was Timmy T. And I'd be surprised if you remembered this tune. It was called One More Time. Or One More Try. I'm sorry. One more try. Here, I'll play you a little clip of it. It's so synthy based. I'm, I'm already not liking it. This is very Casio keyboard. <laughs> oh, it so is. Go to the chorus. Here's the pre-chorus. And after all that we have been through. No, let me tell you why. There's a a real sounding piano. I didn't know how much I loved you. One more try. Uh, it's it's too doctor. It's produced. Yes. Not your not your jam. No, because because how I look at an artist is if they can do a song the same as they did in album version live. If he can't do that crap live, maybe he can. Ah, uh, are you he can. sure? That's, if, it's, if it's a synthesizer, you can definitely do that live. You just play the same damn thing on the synthesizer live. But I see what you're saying, though. It sounds too manufactured, in yes. your opinion. It was a hot sound at the time, as it made it all the way to number five for the whole year. Wild. So, uh, yeah, one hit wonder, Timmy T. Number four is so cool. Paula Abdul, Rush Rush. I know that song. Keanu Reeves was in the video. Yes. Does it come back to you now or do you need to hear it? Maybe a clip. I'm feeling it.
Oh, I remember this song. Yeah, the video was like a movie of like her and Keanu Reeves and like um, he was like the bad boy and she liked him, but like or whatever. And there was like a car race and stuff. And yeah. She, like flagged them off and all of that. It was really, really, really cool video. It was the debut single of her second album, Spellbound. So it was a big moment for Paula because her album before that had done so well, Forever Your Girl, that mm -hmm. this was like a huge thing when it's your sophomore album that it does well. And the single was massive. So, and then the, I remember she came here the next year in 92 and I got to see her live. And I, even to this day, that was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Really? Mm-hmm. For choreography, stage production, costumes, everything. It was just incredible. I'm a big Paula fan. What did you think of uh, Paula? I, back in the day, it wasn't my thing. Yeah. But listening to this, but but listening to the songs now and looking at it and and looking at the creativity that went behind it, mm -hmm. it's different when you look at it for, through different eyes. You like that one better than the Timmy T song? Yes. <laughs> okay. Kind of felt like you would. Number three was a really, really cool song. Big, huge dance music hit. CNC Music Factory, Everybody Dance Now. The actual song title is Gonna Make You Sweat. And then in brackets, Everybody Dance Now. That song is still popular. Well, it still is in, in, in the bars and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like in clubs. It's it's popular. But it's a big deal. They were a big deal. It's not my jam. Mm. No, if it's not your style, that's totally totally understandable. Um, rest in peace to uh, one of the members. He died at a young age. Um, but it was like two guys who, CNC, Colin Clavillis, two guys who produced music together. And they had Freedom Williams on as the rapper. Um, now, it's debated who was all singing for them because it was Martha Wash. But then they put another girl on the music videos because of her look, I guess. But that girl, I think, I, but she ended up becoming the singer too, where she actually sang the parts. So that was a little controversial at the time. And that was happening with a lot of dance music where the women with the big voice weren't in the video and they put a model there instead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but let me say Marky Mark didn't do that. The girl who actually sang it, Lolita Holloway, actually is in the video number two color me bad i want to sex you up number two of the whole year of 91 classic oh that is a classic that's that's i've stripped that song have you uh, for those people who don't know that james is a stripper it's been requested of me to strip that song for those of you listening to the podcast, James is a stripper as well as a radio personality. So he he he's multifaceted. <laughs> I'm I'm an all-round entertainer. Mm -hmm. Tell them tell them your stripper name. Hugh Hafner. Mm. Solid. Love it. Okay. So did you you so you stripped to that song? And other than that. Color Me Bad was kind of poppy for you, hey? At that time? A bit, yes, yeah. I loved him. And when we got to thank Mark Calderon because he's been on our show and he was a fantastic guest. So I hope Color Me Bad comes touring here again. That'd be super cool. Number one song of 1991 from the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves soundtrack. Brian oh. Adams, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. I was obsessed with this song when it came out. This song kickstarted my Brian Adams obsession I ran through in the 90s, who I still love to this day. Okay, so so the problem I have, mm -hmm. I love this song. Don't don't get me wrong. It's a great song. Mm -hmm. I I actually when I watched the movie, I listened to the whole song in the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Like it, it in it, in the credits. But and I'm being honest here. I'm in radio. 
Mm -hmm. And being in radio, we're forced to play so much Canadian content. Yep. So as a radio personality, there's way too much. It's being forced. Like whether it's like he's got a lot of great songs, but he's also got some mediocre songs mm -hmm. that so many other songs could do better in this like in the same con like mm -hmm. same jive and that's where i have the problem with that song that is, song in particular oh, it's brian but how do you Adams. feel about that song i love that song mm -hmm. like i know all the words i can even tell you what's happening in the music video True. but but it's just there's some artists that are not red flagged, but just go. Yeah. Yeah. You just like it's it's a lot of content, which is funny because when that song came out, it was also featured on his album "Waking Up the Neighbors," and yes. that album was huge as a result of that song. But that the Canadian government, which forces you to play a certain amount of Canadian music on radio, had deemed that album un-Canadian because he wrote and produced it with a British fellow who by, goes by the name of Mutt Lang, who is one of the most popular producers on earth, but he's British. Yes. So, so Brian was pissed off about that. Everybody was pissed off about that. So that that one didn't qualify as as Canadian content but the funny thing was is that they didn't care they played him anyways it was super popular yeah, like when when I was growing up I loved that song mm. but as as an adult looking back and being where I'm at now eh. you know I still love the song I still think it's a brilliantly uh, it's a the, the melody it's of that great. song is brilliant and and, the, and like the writing and and the way that they mixed everything in mm. was gorgeous. a really good song but it's not in my top five the best part of the song for me is the the bridge where he goes die for you and it hits that like one note that's a bit off of the other notes it's just beautiful yeah. Um, we can't mention that song without giving credit to the composer of the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves soundtrack, who was Michael Kamen, massive yeah. movie composer. He's done oh, so many covers because I believe that he's the one who had the original concept for the melody of the song because he scored the movie. Yes. I think Brian and Mutt wrote to that from what I understand, but people can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Now. So look back at that top 10. Do you, I, I don't know, we started a long time ago with this one, but do you remember what your favorite would be from it? This one's really tough for me because a lot of those songs influenced me. I have to go with Rush Rush. Nice choice. What do you like the most about that one? To be honest, it like I, I totally forgot it was done by Paul Abdul. Mm -hmm. But but it's just as soon as you played just the first little bit of it, mm -hmm. it like kick started memories of of that time and and everything. Like it's it's such a good song. It really is a good song. Like I said, I'm a big Paula fan too. But I can't pick that as my number one. I just can't do it. There's too much else on here. Um, I'm really torn between More Than Words by Extreme and everything I do, I do it for you. <laughs> yeah, but but you're but you're also a very much like extreme fan. Yeah. Like don't don't get me wrong. Exactly. More than words, more than words, and the band itself is a great is a great song. But the thing is, though, is the thing with Rush Rush is it transcends the the rock era like it it goes into rock it like it's played in easy listening it's played in mm -hmm. throwbacks it's played in everywhere whereas something like um extreme is classic rock or you know hair metal days it's I, kind I of how i look saying. at it that's kind of pigeonholed that way but 
Um, I find it timeless. I do. I find I find more than words wait. timeless. I love the song. I'm gonna pick my number one favorite because of the big impact it had on me at that time. With everything I do, I do it for you. It started a huge fandom of me for Brian Adams, and it truly was a song that I played a lot over and over. I'm a huge Extreme fan, but I'm a much bigger fan of their other songs. Yes. So I'm going Brian Adams, baby. Fast as fast can be, you'll never catch me. <laughs> Unless you follow us on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785 and cut it out. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.